Johnny, we're back with our second episode of the rookies, the impact rookies for fantasy football. It's like, well, it's like this draft was known for the wide receivers. It's like TFW is known for big Travi. Like mm. I'm the wide receivers of this show, just like the wide receivers were the stars of the NFL draft. I'm the star <laughs> of this show. Came out with new swag. Mm. Got a CD lamp shirt that is mm. just super awesome. And I was hoping to rep it today. I want- There's a narrative that needs to be stated here. Okay. Well, let for Whisper years we watched know about the. About I'm the gonna. Narrative. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let him know right here. Uh, he got drafted and was pictured in a robe. Like he's. Yeah. He's already set. He's going it. all the way for it. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, that's, he's committed. For- but you hit it on the head. His quarterback was awful highly entertaining and this team will probably be highly entertaining hey knock but if other you're than with josh me. knock if you're with me yeah, exactly without further ado we're getting on to tonight's main event tonight's main event <laughs> yes we're back again we're back again we're back. Hey, let's pump up the volume right here <laughs> What's up, Whisper Nation? It's Wednesday, May 6th, and you're listening to episode 98 of the Fantasy Whispers with your host, Johnny Game Time Hicks, and me, Big Travi. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at TF Whispers. You can also find us on YouTube at Instagram at the Fantasy Whispers, and you should definitely get over to the website, thefantasywhispers.com. We've got articles, our latest episode, and a bunch of new hot swag you guys got to get your hands on. Don't forget to also check us out on Patreon. We are we're in the works to combine that with our website, but you can still support the show by joining us as a patron of the Fantasy Whispers, where you'll gain access to a ton of bonus content. So head on over to Patreon.com and search for the Fantasy Whispers today. Johnny, we're back with our second episode of the Rookies, the Impact Rookies for Fantasy Football. We're almost pretty to the stoked show on this one. one. I'm so excited for this. This is a really fun show each and every single year. We did the running backs on our last episode. So if you missed that, please go download that episode. We got we went over all the big named running backs that you might be interested in this year. But Travis, this year was super deep for the wide receiver class. And I am so excited to jump in and, and dive into where these guys landed. Who might have some fantasy relevance this year? And all of that good stuff on today's episode. But Travis, I gotta I gotta say like, something, dude. It's like well, it's like this draft was known for the wide receivers. It's like TFW is known for big Travi. Like mm-hmm. I'm the wide receivers of this show, just like the wide receivers were the stars of the NFL draft. I'm the star <laughs> of this show. Hey, I I am not going to deny that one bit. Uh you're not gonna get that from me on this show, maybe off. Off air, we might have a different discussion, but certainly not now. But right. Travis, I got to say something real, far, real, real quick before we get into the show. Lay it on me, Johnny Game Time. I got to be serious with you. There are okay. a few things. There are very few things that I have wanted so badly uh, in my life. One of which is, you know, right behind you, uh, above your head, if you're watching along uh, with us on the show, uh, would be the Toltum Championship belt. That thing is freaking sweet. Have yet to lay my hands on it, um, hopefully this year, but we'll see. That is one thing. The other thing, Travis, we had that we came out with new swag. Mm. We got a CD Lamb shirt that is mm. just super awesome. And I was hoping to rep it today. I want it so bad. We just got it up on our on our uh, shop on thefantasywhispers.com. And I ordered one yesterday, and I can't wait for it to get here. I can't. Yeah, wait. dude, and we've we've done some things there. That that shirt's pretty nice. Um, maybe not as excited as you are on that shirt because I didn't get CD Lamb in our Thanks. dynasty draft, but I understand. Uh, I, he was an exciting player. We'll talk about him today. Uh, we also made a couple of hats, a couple of new hats. We got this really fun uh, logo with just the TFW on there, and and our wrestling fans will kind of know where we were going with that. Uh, yeah. So we're excited about that one. Um, and it's just a, uh, it's gonna be. A lot of good stuff coming out this offseason and this regular season. Get you guys swagged up and helping us support the show. As always, uh, if this is your first time listening, please make sure you subscribe on all platforms. Whatever podcast platform you're using, you subscribe there. If you're on YouTube right now, watch and go ahead and click subscribe there. We would appreciate it. 
Um, and if you're on listening to the uh, podcast via audio, we also appreciate it. And go ahead and leave us a review. We we were trying to get better. We want to know uh, what you guys think, and we want to we want to you know really get better each and every day. And so you guys help us do that. We're we're in it for you, Whisper Nation. So help us out now. Without further ado, we're getting on to tonight's main event. Tonight's main event. <laughs> and, it, and it's the rookie wide receivers. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about tight ends, so pass catchers in general uh, at the end of the show here. But the bread and butter, the meat and potatoes, the cream of the crop for this year's draft was the wide receiver class. And Johnny, it's you know we were going in order here when they were drafted. And so kind of a surprise to people here that Henry Ruggs the third from Alabama came off the board here. Maybe not surprised to those that follow the the formerly Oakland Raiders, the now Las Vegas Raiders, that they took maybe the fastest wide receiver in this draft at number 12 overall. So, Johnny, just give us a little bit of tail of the tape here for, for Henry Ruggs and how you're feeling about this fit. So we know that the NFL is a copycat league, right? We, we've seen it time and time again when an offense – uh, you know, is dominant in the run game and beats a team in the playoffs, you know, kind of like we had with Green Bay Packers and the 49ers. What do you see teams do? Well, they're like, well, we need to bolster up our running game because that's how we got dominated. You see the Green Bay right. Packers go out and draft a running back. Well, very similar to the Vegas, uh, Las Vegas Raiders, right? They they see what the championship uh, Kansas City Chiefs have and, you know, everyone tries to emulate that. Well, what do you need? What's the key piece in that whole entire cog? And that is, you know, a speedy wide a wide receiver on the outside that could take the top off the defense, uh, similar to Tyreek Cohen. So they go and get their guy, Henry Ruggs III, out of Alabama. And, you know, he could do that. He, run, he ran a, a 4 2 7 super fast. He is a really good wide receiver. He's a field stretcher. Uh, you look at his burst score, 136.9, which is in the 98th percentile. His speed score, 110, which is in the 90th percentile. We know what they want with, with rugs. We know what we want to do. They want to have him go deep, and they want to open up that field and take the top off. We know Derek Carr is very good at the deep ball, so I like this landing spot. Uh, do I necessarily think Henry Ruggs is the best wide receiver in this entire class and should have came off the board first? No, but you know teams have their idea of what they want to do, and certainly Henry Ruggs can fill the role that they're looking in the Tyreek Hill role. And I, I think that he's going to be a very exciting wide receiver to watch. Uh, you know, am I really, really excited? Am I going to have Henry Ruggs on a lot of my teams? Probably not. Just because it's early, he's going to be boomer bust, uh, especially in this first year. Uh, but down the road, he's he's definitely intriguing to me, and I don't mind. You know, if people who draft him in in dynasty rookie drafts and, and they're wanting that big, big explosive wide receiver, because who doesn't? Those are so exciting to fun and fun to watch in in fantasy. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I I I agree with you a lot here. I think what you're saying is is very true. Like if in you're in a dynasty format, you're definitely looking at rugs because of that upside with a speedy guy. But if you're looking at the Raiders, Johnny, I'm just kind of concerned here. If I'm in a redraft league or if I'm looking at the future of their quarterback position, um, you know, they, they pick up a guy like Marcus Mariota to back up Derek Carr. If there was a situation where Carr had to come off the field and, and Mariota came in, are you really that excited about what Mariota could do for a guy like rugs? Not really. And so that's concerning, but I do like what, uh, you know, Vegas is trying to do here. They're trying to retool the team to get back to what they had on paper with Antonio Brown when they were putting it all on paper together and they were excited during hard knocks. Oh, and boy, this did he not get... already put that on his belt? You know, it can, you know, yeah. he, he got drafted and was pictured in a robe. Like he's, yeah, he's already set. He's going all the way for it. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, that's, he's committed. For and let's sure. be honest, that's gotta be a, a that's gotta be something that's a real concern for fantasy owners. Like, let's just, let's just say it. Let's just get it. Out Listen, of honestly, me. drafting any Las Vegas player at this point <laughs> is going to be a little bit of a concern. Yeah. Uh, we'll, I, I, that, see, obviously yeah. we've got COVID times and, and things going on with that, but, um, you know, Vegas is a bit of a ghost town, but, um, I will say that, um, you know, I'm just wary of the Raiders. I know Gruden's a nice story and what, you know, he's a, he's highly entertaining and this team will probably be highly entertaining. Hey, knock, but if, other you're than Josh, knock if you're with me. Yeah, exactly. Other than Josh Jacobs and, and Darren Waller, who's at a great value right now, I'm, I'm just not really looking forward to a ton of their weapons. Now, speaking of a team with a lot of weapons, how about the Denver Broncos? They really have loaded up in this offseason and they didn't stop after adding Melvin Gordon and 
And having Cortland Sutton last year, they said, look, Drew Locke, you are our guy. Uh, you, you did well last year. We're going to add some more weapons. And they add Jerry Judy uh, out of Alabama. So many people, um, I think myself and Johnny uh, agree that Jerry Judy was probably a top of their wide receiver boards. He was drafted number 15 overall uh, out of Alabama. And, you know, this was last year, 2018's a uh, couple years ago's best college wide receiver. Johnny, Jerry Judy is now going to a little bit of a of a question mark at quarterback, but definitely a loaded offense, a lot of running backs, a few wide receivers. So the offense should be formidable. Yeah, I mean, you're you're definitely putting the pieces around there. And on paper, this should be a very nice offense. Now, of course, the quarterback needs to Drew Locke needs to step up and really be the quarterback that they expect him to be. And certainly, you know what I've seen on tape and what I saw from him in his rookie year. There are positives that you can take from his game, and and I do think that he could potentially be uh, the right quarterback to fulfill the needs of the wide receivers and all of the playmakers around him. Now, when you're talking about Jerry Judy, I absolutely, you know, a lot of people were a little bit, uh, you know, discouraged by the landing spot. You know, who wouldn't want uh, Jerry Judy to go and step in, you know, and ultimately be the number one alpha dog right away? And it's looking like that's not going to be the case with Sutton. However, I think that his fantasy value doesn't really change too much because now you're looking at a guy who is a rookie who would normally be going to a bad team with, uh, you know, and seeing the number one corner each and every single week. And now he's not going to see that he's going to a team where there is Cortland Sutton, who is, you know, by all means, the alpha dog there. At least we saw that last year and kind of what he did to get Sanders out of the way. Um so you you have Sutton there that is going to be the wide receiver one and going to take the majority of the number one corners. So this could really open up the door for Jerry Judy to not only have a really good career, but have actually a really good impact year one, because, you know, a lot of times the big thing, you know, it's the playbook and it's the route running that keep players off of the field. Well, we know that Jerry Judy is really, really good at route running, so that's going to keep him on the field. And, you know, you're looking at a guy who's going to get the number two corner most of the time. And so give me Jerry Judy. I, I love the landing spot. I think he's really, really good. I think that, you know, this could be we could be seeing between C.D. Lamb and some of these other wide receivers that are, are going. We could see a very similar situation like we did with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, where those two wide receivers have been pillars for Dynasty and, and redraft leagues for several, several years. Yeah, and I think the interesting point we're making here is as we talk about this wide receiver room and these running backs, like, and you just, you know, mentioned uh, A.J. Brown. So then what does that translate? Who's his quarterback? Ryan Tannehill. And then you're talking about Julio Jones, who's his quarterback, Matt Ryan. And they've been both, you know, had their fair share of being fantasy relevant, which means we got to start looking at Drew Locke as maybe one of those yeah. late round guys yep. or a guy that if you're going to stream at the position, which we know statistically you can do. I mean, I think Drew Locke will be a hot streamer, especially in uh, a lot of these options. So, look, that they did the best they could in getting this guy prepped and ready, Dr this guy being Drew Locke, in getting him the weapons, especially in the running game. But then Jerry Judy is the perfect guy for a quarterback that's learning and young because he's going to be a route running technician, glide in his routes, in and out, break out of the ball, stab the ball out of the air. And he's, he's going to be one of his best friends, I think, as far as just getting open all the time. Mm-hmm. So another exciting uh, wide receiver, Johnny, uh, the guy we just talked about. The, the most exciting, show, I'd say. You can get your I love CD Lamb, your CD Lamb shirts at the fantasywhispers.com. But CD Lamb drafted out of Oklahoma, number 17 overall to the Dallas Cowboys. Big D taking CD Lamb here when they already have uh, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup in the wide receiver room. Meaning Dak Prescott, you know, they may not be making him too happy because they haven't paid him uh, just quite yet, but they're making him pretty happy with the weapons they're putting around him, Johnny. I mean, they're definitely showing their commitment in Dak, right? They're they're putting all these weapons around him and saying, "Hey, we or, want or Andy or Andy Dalton or Andy Dalton." Hey, there, <laughs> yeah, Andy Dalton signing there uh, is definitely. I mean. To me, honestly, the Andy Dalton signing there is even more confidence in all these wide receiver cores because if if they can't get Dak, if something to happened sign, to Dak, right? If something happened to Dak or they can't re-sign Dak, I know my guy is fine because Andy Dalton is more than capable of coming in in this offense and running it. 
Um, now, when you're talking about C.D. Lamb, 6'2", 198 pounds. He's a possession kind of wide receiver, but can also stretch the field. Uh, I mean, if you look at what he did on and what he put on tape, Travis, it's, it's absolutely astonishing. This guy doesn't look like a, a, a field burner. He doesn't look like he's going to blow past guys, but it's very similar and to the, Yeah, he ran a four five zero forty super not not really, really fast, but it's funny. It's a lot like, uh, you know, Larry Fitzgerald. You know, people don't talk about him being fast, but yet we have all this footage of him burning guys going up and getting it and then burning guys to the touchdown. So uh, CD lamb goes into a very nice situation in my eyes because Amari Cooper is only going to be there probably one this year. He's not guaranteed pass next year. Um, and that's a massive contract. So why wouldn't the Cowboys be like, Oh, I'm good. We have CD lamb who is by all means going to be groomed to be the number one wide receiver in the next couple of years. And then, yeah, a lot of people were down on Gallup. But honestly, I, I do see this becoming a situation where Gallup and CD are the future wide receivers in Dallas. And Amari is the odd man out. He's going to require so Do you think there's a money. situation where they're going to pay Amari or they're going to uh, trade Amari Cooper? And that is an all, also another situation that is going to be interesting. They could. They could very well trade Amari Cooper. Someone is we've seen what play what teams are willing to give up for a team. And then we know what Dallas gave up, right? They gave up a first yeah. rounder for him. We know that Diggs got a first rounder and Hopkins got a second because we got a steal. But you're looking at a first or second rounder for a wide receiver, and they already have one that can come in and step in. Uh they I'm sure they would love to do that kind of deal. But I want to I want to make sure that Whisper Nation knows that C.D. Lamb is is going to get targets this year. He he might not have the best wide receiver uh, first rookie year out of all the wide receivers we're going to talk about today, but he he'll be solid. Let's remember that Randall Cobb and both Jason Winton are no longer with the Dallas Cowboys. They got traded yeah. uh, or or left, and so that that leaves over 120 vacant targets uh, with those two players. So C.D. Lamb could very well get 80 cat 80 80 targets this year. Um, you know, maybe catch about 50 of them and have a decent rookie year. But this guy is going to be a stud in the next few years. And I'm obviously really, really excited because I have him on my. Yeah, there, there's a there's a narrative that needs to be stated here. OK, well, let for West years, we've watched know about the I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to let him know right here. So for years, we've watched Jason Garrett kind of take this offense and be very mundane and run the ball into the ground with Zeke. And they had Zeke and I understand and they still do. And I understand that and they were playing to a massive offensive line, and those were the kind of things. We've seen a dynamic shift with them from making Kellen Moore the play caller last year to then going and getting Mike McCarthy, who has just been a specialist as far as a coordinator is concerned in getting uh, passing games to the next level. Um, so I think that's what needs to be looked at here is the fact that, okay, yes, they don't have J um, Jason Witten anymore. They don't have Randall Cobb. They don't have this... I mean, the offensive line's still good, but it's not the juggernaut it used to be, right? Right? They don't, they don't need to play so much into um, the the format that they've played into in the past. And then, if you're talking about them wanting to pay Dak or not, it's maybe finally time for them to say, "Look, we got Mike McCarthy. We loaded you up with weapons. If you're going to be the guy, we need to see it. We need to see you pop the top off and be that franchise guy." And maybe they're finally taking. Uh, the keys and putting them in Dak's hands here and CD lamb, all these guys, that's something to look at this year. Dak's another, you know, middle to late round guy. That's going to have a lot of value uh, similar to actually, I mean, a lot better than you could trust him a lot more than drew Locke, of course. But right. I think there's a situation here that we need to look at the other weapons. And as Johnny said, in a dynasty format, lamb is in a great situation. Uh, guy was compared by pro football focus to Odell Beckham jr. As far as what he's able to do with the ball in his hands. Uh, Johnny mentioned it there. The speed is deceptive. But, you know, you look at the four or five forty, not the craziest, but then you look at his highlight reel and it's all him taking these screens and other short slant routes to the house. So and he it's, breaks it's really, tackles. He breaks tackles left yeah. and right. Super elusive. Yeah. So I, I'm really excited about CD Lamb. Whisper Nation should be too. And once again, if you want that CD Lamb shirt, head on over to the fantasywhispers.com. We got it there for you. So the Philadelphia Eagles got a lot of flack last year, Johnny, uh, because their wide receiving room, or if you could call it that, uh, was <laughs> was not a good one. No, um, well, and frankly, we, they got a lot of flack this year as well after the draft. Uh, yeah, which that's is true. Absurd. 
But they drafted number 21 overall, Jalen Ragor out of Ragor Targaryen. Ooh, that's pretty good. <laughs> out of TCU uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles here, number 21 overall. And this guy is a burner. If we were talking earlier about Henry Ruggs, the only guy that could maybe hold Jalen Rager's jockstrap here is, or I'm um, sorry, uh, Ruggs' jockstrap here is, is Jalen Rager. And that's because he ran a 4-4-7-40. But Johnny, he then came out later with COVID-19 and all this with an unofficial video where he ran with two people uh, one person filming, two guys with uh, uh, stopwatches, where he ran a, a 4-2-2-40. Wow. So you're talking about a guy in Rager who is a burner. There's going to be some knack here. He he didn't have the best catch rate, only 46.2% catch rate. Uh, he had some some spotty years, especially last year, but that's really because the quarterback play at mm-hmm. TCU has not been consistent. And so I'm really excited to see what he can do with Carson Wentz. Uh, talking a little bit about our dynasty draft where you took CeeDee Lamb. Uh, I took Jalen Rager in the first round with uh, my pick. I'm really excited to see what he could do. We talked about Ruggs being that Tyreek Hill kind of thing. I have a lot more faith in, in Doug Peterson calling plays more similar to the Kansas City Chiefs. So Rager getting in this offense is really exciting. They've got some of the pieces. If, if people can stay healthy, including their quarterback, you've got to be excited about Rager, right, Johnny? Well, I speaking of of quarterback and rigor right they also went out and drafted uh you know a quarterback and and oklahoma jalen hurts and jalen hurts so the questions now aren't necessarily you know if carson wentz goes down or am i worried about my fantasy players and not necessarily like that was the tune before right because philadelphia has always had pretty nice backups but you gotta love this and i don't know why and it, it just blows my mind i had a you know i'm Philadelphia Eagles are one of my secondary teams that I like to root for. And I know a lot of Philadelphia Eagles fans and they were all texting me after this pick and they were so upset. And we'll get into the guy that they passed on next. Uh, Obviously Minnesota took him with their next pick, but they were so disappointed because they wanted Justin Jefferson because Justin Jefferson was uh, linked so much to the Eagles. And a lot of people saw him, right? Because Justin Jefferson was, went to LSU and not a lot of people watched Jalen Rieger at TCU, but you hit it on the head. His quarterback was awful. And yeah. now you're you're going from a quarterback that was awful to uh to one of the best in Carson Wentz when he's healthy as one of the best quarterbacks. Let's not forget uh, that he was you know could have been the MVP a few years ago before he got injured. So Jalen Rager, you talked about it. he's going to blow the top off of this offense and, and or blow the top off of the defense. Their guys can't stay healthy, so he should step in. And see a handful of targets like their number one leading wide receiver last year was like uh, a guy named Ward. Like no one knows. Right. (laughs) And so uh, he should step in, be an immediate uh, contributor. This guy can take screens to the house. They will use him and get the ball in his hands. That's all he needs. He doesn't need, uh, you know, to be one of these guys that is only the possession wide receiver, which I think Justin Jefferson is a little bit more of that guy. I think they wanted yeah. an all-around explosive playmaker, and they got that in, in Rieger, and I love him. I love this fit. I think this year in fantasy, he could ha- he could be sneaky value because you're going to get him super late because most people say and think, uh, which is te- generally the case, that rookie wide receivers don't pop off, but this class is just so good, and some of these situations is just too too juicy to pass up. So Rieger yeah. will definitely well, be Well, Rieger's on. one of the special cases where – Yeah, his talent, you know, maybe he's a boomer bust guy. Maybe that's what he sets up to be. But the boom here in a situation where he could be getting 10 targets right off the bat as a rookie because of the lack of uh, of talent in that wide receiver room. I mean, how can you not go and grab this guy? And I think that was the deciding factor for me in Dynasty was, look, I can look at a guy, you know, I was looking at Justin Jefferson, who we'll talk about next. And you're looking at Jalen Rager, right? Mm -hmm. Which one do you take? Look. Rager could really step into a role that is the number one on his offense, where Jefferson's going to have a lot more trouble getting there. Not Mm. saying there's not value there, but if that's the case, those targets become super valuable for a guy who's probably going to get up to 14, 15, 16 yards per catch because of the way he gets behind defenses. So I think there's some real huge upside here. I mean, Um, he averaged 14.5. Point, uh, yards per reception in college, and again, You're exactly, they were getting a lot of with, screens with, and stuff, right? And and I and that's because the quarterback play was bad. We right. can't emphasize that enough. Like if you look at Pro Football Focus, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but they said, look, yeah, he dropped a lot of catches, 
but it's because like only certain like a very low amount of his balls were actually catchable right so like so you have a percentage of these balls that he's getting thrown that just like are not they're not on target right and so i think regor will will get will benefit greatly from carson wentz throwing him the football i'm excited to see where that goes and unlike rugs i will take a look at regor as a flyer yeah uh, in fantasy this year very excited about him so going uh we just touched touched a little bit about justin jefferson here uh, he is the wide receiver out of LSU. So Joe Burrow's favorite target over the last year now goes to the Minnesota Vikings at number 22 overall. Johnny, this is a, a true possession wide receiver, a guy that's going to fit nicely into a system that has, I shouldn't say the system has thrown historically a lot, but the quarterback has thrown a lot to multiple wide receivers, and that's Kirk Cousins. But if you're talking about the way that Kirk Kubiak has, t- uh, sorry, Kirk Cousins. Uh, if you're talking about the way that uh, Gary Kubiak, offensive new offensive coordinator of the Vikings, has talked about Justin Jefferson and his zone running scheme, which then tailors to possession wide receivers, they're really excited about what they got out of Jefferson. I think he's going to get a lot of uh, routes out of the slot. They're going to then move Thielen to the outside a little bit more this year, I would imagine. Um, so I'm really liking what I saw out of Jefferson at LSU, and I think this was a really good, another great fit another late round late round redraft wide receiver you might be looking at as a flyer because once again a good amount of targets yeah he'll he'll definitely step into that wide receiver two role and i definitely think his outlook is brighter in the future um obviously digs leaving and you have all those targets up for grabs so you know those those could end up going jefferson's way he does have playmaking ability i am really interested to see if they do move him in the slot uh, the majority of the time, or if they do leave Adam Thielen there. Now, Jefferson did play a lot in the slot in college, and that's and why he was pretty efficient. He did struggle a little bit on the outside. But you know who also is very similar to that? And that's Thielen. Thielen, uh, when he moves to the outside and it, he has a harder time to get off the ball, he struggles a little bit more. Now, his contested catch rate is up there, which is why he's still able to produce uh, even when put outside. So that will be an interesting piece to see. Uh, I am concerned with the the lack of passing production uh, that we are seeing in this offense, and they continue to lean even more and more towards the running side, which is what you know they want to do. They want to run the ball, and then they want to get their uh, the ball into the hands of their playmakers. Now, if they the the one issue that I have is that you know this is a very solid team in general. So I don't know if they're going to be in a lot of shootouts. So I don't know uh, Jefferson's ceiling per se, but I know that his floor is going to be really, really solid. And so that's why I like Justin Jefferson uh, this year, because I think that you can get him later on in drafts and just like kind of stash him on your uh, bench and just yeah, he's see. definitely that he's that depth piece, right? And that guy that yeah. could get you through some injuries and bye weeks, because like you said, Johnny, I think he won't be that huge upside guy that's going to rip off, you know, 150 200 yard games with multiple touchdowns but he definitely could be a guy that looking your end of the half he's got you know or end of the game he's got 80 yards or or 100 yards pretty mm-hmm. easily just because of the volume of the uh, of uh his targets and, and the way he runs his routes but i did like what you said there about them being very similar to adam thielen i think he may be more similar than they are different which is a kind of a strange thing for them to do if they are going to be moving thielen to the outside or maybe they're just thinking about getting you know, out of Thielen's contract at some point. Yeah. Um, so we just have to Thielen see is happens. Thielen is pretty old. Like he's like thirty something. He he yeah. broke out pretty well, late. Well, he spent forty years getting into the league. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Adam Thielen's a boss. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, ends his career pretty greatly. Uh, moving on to the next wide receiver that we've got to talk about for a second year in a row. ASU has put out a couple good wide receivers out of uh, college here, and that didn't stop with Brandon Ayuk. Uh, who was drafted number 25 overall to the San Francisco 49ers. And this one was a little interesting, Johnny, because Ayuk is such a similar prospect to uh, our guy Debo Samuel, who was drafted last year by them. But it looks like uh, the Niners are doubling down on the Shanahan system of, look, pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball, short screens and crossing rounds and end arounds that get the ball in the hands of playmakers don't put everything on jimmy garoppolo's back to push it down the field um but you know i think what they're doing here is really smart and Ayuk is a hell of a prospect here johnny walk us through a little bit of the tape and, w- and what you see out of Ayuk in this landing spot i really like brandon Ayuk, uh, and i think that it's significant that you know the 49ers traded up 
in order to get Brandon Ayuk. So it's, yeah. they really wanted him, which is concerning for Debo Samuel owners. Uh, but I think that this offense is uh, they want as many guys as possible to to fit and and fill needs. Right. So if, if a guy goes down, it, it seems like 49ers seem to be one of those teams that always have like the injury bug. Um, and, you know, maybe that's their playing style. They're just the way that they they um, they're playing scheme. Uh forces them to get injured more often. I don't know if that's true or not. It just seems like it is that way with the running backs and the wide receivers. Yeah. But as far as Brandon, Ayuk, you know, six, uh, six foot wide receiver. Uh, so he is taller than Debo, um, 205. He almost had 1700 yard receiving yards in college last year, uh, was his major breakout year. Just had just shy of 1200 receiving yards. Uh, a lot of people are going to say, well, where where was this guy? Like, I haven't heard of this guy before. And, and uh, to that, I will say the the major reason, right, is because last year they did have Nikhil Harry, who was the number one wide receiver uh, for ASU at the time. So um, Brandon Ayuk didn't really have his, his time to shine. And this year he got it, right? And you're looking at his 40 speed, 4.50, so he's fast. He fits that mold again in that system. I think that Brandon Ayuk could have uh, a very similar trajectory to Debo. And now whether or not um, Brandon Ayuk will take over for Debo year one, I don't think that that necessarily will happen. Uh, and if it does, I think it'll be later on in the season, kind of like Debo. But one thing that I've learned from uh, a lot of these wide receivers that come into the system, and I've done some research with them, right? And a lot of them say like, it's a complicated scheme. Like it, it's very simple in nature, but like, all the different routes and all the different forms that you can run off of this one basic, um, you know, play that they run. That's where it gets difficult. Right. And rookie wide receivers have a difficulty picking that up. And that's, you know, why Pettis, uh, Dante Pettis really fell off was because he was talented, but he couldn't pick up the offense. So um, it will be interesting to see. Once Ayuk kind of comes around and he does learn this offense a little bit more, if he is that, you know, X wide receiver for them that they, you know, is the one that you want in this offense. Um, but for this year, I'm still on the Debo Samuel bandwagon, uh, at least until Ayuk can fully pick up this playbook. Yeah, I think you look at some of the things that uh, you're talking about here, the screen game, the yards after catch. Uh, pro football focus yards after catch per reception. He was number six in the nation. And then he was number eight in the nation in screen yards last year. So you're talking about a really deep graph class. We've already talked about some of these guys that are great at taking screens to the house. Ayuk fits the bill for what San Fran wants to do. One um, PFF comparing him to Pierre Garcon. We know Garcon's record with Shanahan. Like mm -hmm. we know in his deep years, like that's what he they love to do. I think there's a, a perfect marriage here. And especially in Dynasty, you like picking him up. Maybe Johnny's right. Maybe it takes a year or two for him to really, especially this is a tough system to just kind of come right into and, uh, and master. But I do think that uh, Brandon Ayuk has a bright future. And look, I was I was happy that I took Debo off waivers last year, you know, in the middle of the year. So Ayuk's a name to keep your your uh keep your eye on because you definitely want to be able, maybe if I could keep my eye on <laughs> yeah, how maybe. Spell, yeah. <laughs> um, or how to speak here. So I think Ayuk's definitely a guy worth watching and keeping on your radar because that offense, you're going to want to have a piece of. Well, I mean, and, and Pierre Garcon, you touched on that, that part. That was really interesting too, because Pierre Garcon a few years ago was a monster gem that you got in the ninth or 10th or 11th round of, of fantasy redrafts. And he really helped you and lead you to a, a championship. So yeah. uh, Pierre Grosson is a great comp, uh, and I, I think that Brandon Ayuk definitely has a future in this league and a future on your dynasty or fantasy league. So talking about a team that's like really uh, gearing up for the future, the Cincinnati Bengals. So first of all, they get Joe Burrow, our guy, Big big D. Joe. Yeah, Big D. Joe. Uh, big D. Joe uh, going number one overall here to the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, they said, you know what, we're – just outside the first round at number 33 overall, we're going to load you up. You've got A.J. Green coming back healthy. We've talked about John Ross maybe flashing a little bit. And now they've got T. Higgins out of Clemson, Johnny, at number 33 overall. Uh, this is a guy that, that could really bring some pop to this offense. How are you feeling? What's your Where's your uh, thermometer at with T. Higgins this year? 
So originally, I was not super excited about T. Higgins. Um, I I thought he was a decent wide receiver. Obviously, went to Clemson, but Clemson wide receivers tend to disappoint a little bit. A lot of comps were comping him to Mike Williams, and Mike Williams has mm. been disappointing to this this point in his career. Uh, yeah, but, he had some flash. Yeah, he's had flash for sure, but it, overall, pretty disappointed for it's what. Not consistent, right? You you thought that you know he had the. Uh, the makeup of what would be a nice wide receiver one, or at least you thought that, and it's yet to pan out. But T. Higgins, very similar, 6'4", 216 pounds. You like the body frame. You like that size. Uh, and it, to me, it's it signals the end of A.J. Green there in Cincinnati. This might this most likely will be his last year, um, but it'll be good for T. Higgins to kind of get behind A.J. Green, learn behind him. But I, I really think that with him coming in as a rookie, it could really bode well uh, with him pairing with Joe Burrow. And me uh, like T. Higgins could be a, a really nice wide receiver, uh, you know, depending on that partnership right if they if they evolve together and and really get that flowing but you like the wide receiver class here uh definitely going to be uh really nice for for fantasy there's going to be a lot of opportunity there they're going to want to throw the ball with joe burrow uh you know they're going to be able to run the ball with joe mixon i really like this offense uh you're looking at a guy who 440 is a little bit slow 459 i think that's a little bit of what turned me away initially. I uh, wasn't super excited about that. His burst score, 114.2, which is in the 15th percentile, super low. Not excited. But, you know, you're looking at a lot of these speed score, 101.3, 73rd percentile. You, you, you take those stats, and it is a little bit of kind of the case where he just – he had a very bad combine. Um, and then, you know, what his combine was, and then when I looked at the tape, aren't similar. So there are some question marks there. But T. Higgins has the making of what could be a very nice wide receiver one for Joe Burrow. Uh, and and you're definitely looking at this offense and saying, hey, maybe in a couple of years, uh, this there could be something here. As far as this year goes, T. Higgins is not on my redraft list. But definitely in the future, I like what I see here. And I was a little bit jealous that I didn't or wasn't able to give the opportunity to draft him in, in Dynasty because uh, I did like what I saw on tape. Yeah, I mean, he's got a kind of good combination of everything. Yeah. He doesn't burn you off the page on any one thing. You talked about his his speed being a little bit of an issue, yet he was still eighth in the nation in deep yards and tied for eighth in deep, deep reception. He, he just so, goes up and gets the ball. Like yeah, he he's got great, great ball skills. Like you said, he tacks the ball out of the air, which is going to be great for Joe Burrow, like you said, to help him learn and to help him grow. And A.J. Green, like you said, I'll, I'll just reiterate, like a great person to sit behind if you have that similar play style. Um, he should, you know, be able to show him some things. It's just going to depend on how, you know, look, A.J. Green prior to last year, I know you got a lot of flack because the way he was talking, but if you played for Cincinnati, you'd probably be talking a lot of the same way, too. Probably. A.J. Green is a very humble individual. If you know anything about his backstory and what he's had to go through, he's a really great guy. And so I think A.J. Green to be there for T. Higgins could be a really nice story. Once again, dynasty format, you're more interested. Not so sure I want to bet on both T. Higgins and Joe Burrow as rookies this year and for T. Higgins to take something like his burst and his ability to break off of the line as his detriment. I don't want to take that into year one, but I do right. like what I'm seeing uh, out of Higgins. Because let's, let's remember, like DK Metcalf, yeah, he killed it in the combine, but everyone wanted to destroy him on his three-cone drill, and where right. did that leave us? You know, um, So don't let what he did on the combine – completely sway your opinion on T Higgins like it did me until I looked at the tape. Uh, but there's definitely something to be de desired for sure uh, with T Higgins. Yeah. I've heard some spots compare him to Martavis Bryant, which is like Martavis Bryant just needed to stay on the field and stay like sane in the, yeah. in the membrane Yeah, <laughs> because he, he was flashing some real greatness there for a little bit of a while. So yeah. Uh, Mike, Michael Pittman jr. Is our next, next wide receiver here johnny out of usc uh go trojans indianapolis colts Gross. took him at number yeah dude yeah no go. get out of here right on no get out Fight of here on. with that number 34 overall uh michael Pittman jr look uh i really like Pittman. i think he's a good fit and we'll talk you know johnny will talk a little bit more in depth about him but now what we're hearing out of india is how much they liked this pick 
because uh, how it marries with Philip Rivers right off the bat and and almost some Vincent Jackson like comparisons mm-hmm. uh, they were trying to draw with him and think that he could be that big body deep threat that gets down the field for them um, possession guy that also can get the deep or get the 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 50 50 balls in the end zone for Philip Rivers as well so Johnny really liking this fit um, I think that it's a good opportunity especially with Rivers there. They're doing, you know, look, Indy was already kind of poised uh, to make some noise uh, over the last couple of years with that offensive line. Now they've got Phillip Rivers, the meantime stopgap quarterback, and they've added to the running game. The line is still good, and now they're adding Michael Pittman Jr. So it seems to be a good marriage. What do you think about fantasy this year? What do you think about Pittman? I think Pittman could be a guy that uh, comes on a little bit later in in the in the year uh, as far as whether or not he'll be able to be considered. I, I would say a flex option would be later on in the year. Uh, you definitely like what all the pieces that they're putting together. I like this pick. I like this landing spot. Should immediately come in and, and be opposite of T.Y. Hilton in the two wide receiver sets there. Um, and he's got great hands, uh, decent speed, 4-5, uh, 40 time. He love the body. I love the comp, uh, you know, to call him Vincent Jackson. And let's remember, like, Philip Rivers does like to, to air it out. So, um, and Michael Pittman certainly is a guy that, you know, can go over the middle and get it there. He's, he's a pretty big body and it, guy. And, so. and if you're wondering, like, so you said he likes to air it out. And so my thought was always like, do we, do the Colts really want to do that? Cause they pound the rock a lot. They play that offensive line. Well, they kind of proved it by go getting a guy like Pittman jr. Like they, they may want to play to Phillip rivers strengths here in this last couple of years that they've got him. Oh, for sure. And then you're also looking at, you know, down in the red zone, you now have a big bodied wide receiver that you can put in there. I, I do think that Mo Alley Cox is someone that uh, will be used as well because he is a huge beast of a man. So I, I do think they'll use him in the red zone as well. But you you like what Michael Pittman uh, puts on paper. Uh, you like his game tape. He is going to be a very, very good wide receiver in the future. Um, again, if we're talking redraft, um, probably I don't mind taking a flyer deep in drafts on him just because the potential is there for him to be the wide receiver one for Indianapolis. Um, but you know, I like what I saw on tape. I like I like him as a prospect, and I I think that uh, this is a very good system for him to go to. Yeah, look, he put a lot on tape. He was you know a special guy at USC. You wonder about the USC wide receiver storyline, and and if. But he seems to be a guy that could definitely buck that trend. Um, and I think yeah. what better way to get into the league and, and know how to play than to play with a guy like Philip Rivers, who has no problem uh, getting the ball to his wide receivers. I didn't even and, think uh, about the USC thing and wide receivers until you just brought it up. That is a little bit interesting. But I certainly think that he has better, you know, stats. And, look, and, some, somebody's got to buck trends, you yeah. know, they're not going to go forever. And I think. Pittman, like you said, 6'4", 223, 4'5", speed. Good combination of everything. Yeah. Very similar to T. Higgins, where he's got a lot of skills. He doesn't wow you in any one category, but he's got a lot of skills put together. Seems to be a complete prospect, and that'll be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, go Moving on to my favorite prospect out of this draft class, LaVisca Chanel out of Colorado. Uh, my oh, least Travis, favorite Travis, landing you, spot. You have a little bit of drool coming out of your mouth uh, right now. Yeah, Sorry. I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> my least my least favorite landing spot of all time you're not a you're not uh, a believer in in uh gardner dude? i love gardner okay Minshew. then well what you're just scared I for just, dj chark right well yeah here's the thing Minshew's not a guy that has historically been a guy that's going to light it up every game he's just going to do what he needs to do to get it done um and shark is the mean the the number one dog there so i I don't know that I want to go in and, and invest in Chenault right away this year, but I do see a similar path to him kind of like a Debo Samuel last year where he could kind of come in late. If, if, if Minshew kind of turns the corner here in his development and can really put some numbers on the page, you're going to see a guy like Chenault be the reason why, and I think that's very exciting. Chenault is literally a remarkable specimen at the wide receiver position. What he's able to do, he's got – great ability with 50 50 balls he can be lined up at any position he played all three wide receiver positions for colorado he played in the wildcat position for colorado uh he can go over the middle and takes on contact um and i just feel like he is you know he's had some injury history johnny Mm -hmm. so there's definitely that and there's times where he looks a little raw but there is so much here 
uh, to be excited about in his tape and, and what he's put on the field. And I think that there is some huge upside in LaVisca Chenault's game. Yeah, I I mean, he was a very, very interesting guy. And I, I think that a little bit to his detriment that he went to Colorado because pe- most people couldn't truly see uh, his true potential. Also, you know, being in the Pac-12, the defenses aren't that great. So I think that hurt him a little bit. I would have loved to see him go to a little bit better of a landing spot. I do agree with that. But listen, I think that if you four, five, eight, 40 score a little bit low there um the speed score 103.2 uh which is in the 78th percentile which isn't isn't too bad but you look at his college dominated rating travis 31 or 35.1 which is pretty uh pretty solid for a wide receiver um you know i don't i'm not necessarily sold that they're going to have that kind of game plan for Minshew this year of, you know, just kind of manage the game. I think we're starting to see with the rumors that Leonard Fournette could be traded. They didn't necessarily go and get a very solid running back uh, in the draft. So it, that indication to me shows that maybe they do like what they're, you know, supposedly hearing or seeing from Minshew to this point and think that he can uh, really make the next leap going into year two. This guy was a pretty solid quarterback uh, considering everything. Like he, w- he was taken super deep in, dra- in, in the NFL draft, really, you know, came on uh, into the spotlight, was a fun guy, all this stuff. And, you know, I think also with the what you saw with them trading Nick Foles is even more uh, showing that they have a lot of confidence in Gardner Minshew going into year two. So, uh, Chanel, I do agree that this year I don't expect uh, very much uh, from Chanel at all. But down the road, I think that this could be very nice because now you're, you're pairing a really young DJ Chark with Chanel who could also, you know, go up and get in as a big bodied wide receiver. So I'm liking what they're doing there. I'm liking the pieces that they're putting around uh, Minshew and giving him the opportunity to really succeed in this offense. And uh, hopefully he can. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a there's a situation where talent will rise above in, in some places. Last year, I'll, I'll bang this till the cows come home. Look, we talked about A.J. Brown. I said A.J. Brown looks like Juju Smith-Schuster to me. He looks really good. He looks like a big play-wide receiver, but I hate the Tennessee landing spot. Not a good landing spot. And then the dude completely broke out last year. Obviously, Tannehill had to help that, and I'm asking for some help from Minshew here. <laughs> you just talked about it. <laughs> You're pleading, I, you're pleading I, with Gardner Minshew. Please take the power from that mustache and infuse <laughs> it into that ball and throw this ball to LaVisca Chanel and watch him work, dude. Yeah. Like you won't you be look disappointed. At, no, I don't. And uh, you look at what Colorado, you talked about him going to Colorado. Well, Mike McIntyre, the, the head coach there or said, look, he's a total freak. Uh, I've never had anything like him. He's that good. Of course I'm he has. He, he's he's coached at Colorado. He, of course he has yeah, anything yeah. like him. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. But I'm really excited about Chenault. I think Whisper Nation should be too. And just, you know, take it with a little bit of grain of salt. But keep your eye on Chenault, man. The guy, the guy's a complete freak. All right. So moving on to our last wide receiver we're going to go over today. My Denzel second Mims. favorite wide receiver of the whole class. Denzel Mims. Yeah, Johnny's been banging the drum a little bit harder here for Denzel Mims. Um, than I have, but he went to Baylor here and he was drafted number 59 overall to the New York football jets. Uh, so Johnny talk to me about Mims. Talk to whisper nation. What's, what's the deal here? I'm, I'm going to admit right now. I can't just talk about Denzel Mims. I am in love with Denzel Mims and, uh, so should whisper nation. Whisper nation should be in love with him. I almost landed him. I was so close. He got picked one pick before me. In our in our dynasty rookie draft, uh, he went one spot before me in the second round. I was super bummed. Uh, but Denzel Mims, I love the landing spot here. Goes to the Jets, should be the wide receiver one for them. Should step in. Robbie Anderson now gone. Uh, he he is in Carolina. You look at what Denzel Mims six three two oh seven. So you like the height and the weight as a big body wide receiver. Uh, over a thousand receiving yards. Uh, two out of the three years in. In college so the production is there oh you know average 15.5 yards per reception you like that you like seeing around the 15 yard mark or above ran a 438 travis extremely fast 
And listen, this guy, his player comp is Chris Godwin, who doesn't oh. like that play, player comp. Um, obviously not going to as much of a pass-happy offense as Tampa Bay. Uh, and I'm not expecting Denzel Mims to be a wide receiver elite one right away. But I will say within three years, Denzel Mims will be a top 10 wide receiver for fantasy. You can book it. This guy is Really fun to watch, has great hands, knows how to put his body in the right position, really good at the back shoulder fade, really good at back shoulder fades. Uh, Tied for second uh, in the nation at contested catch. So this guy is a a ridiculous ball skills, like Johnny has been saying here. Definitely has the speed there. And once again, we're talking about young quarterback and Sam Darnold, who showed some pop and and an ability. Man, you get him a guy like Denzel Mims, that's going to be his best friend because he I mean, can not only go deep, but he can go deep and get a 50-50 ball. Exactly. And and look, they don't have a wide receiver. They they try to get that with Robbie Anderson, right? They like try to get him a wide receiver one that he can grow with. And Robbie Anderson, I just you think he, it just didn't work out. You're looking yeah. at that what else is in that wide receiver room uh for the Jets and you know, if you got Crowder, you're not you're not really Crowder's m- the main one. Crowder. Crowder, he's the main one that you're kind of worried about, but he's more of going to be the slot guy where Mims, he is just so, I'm telling you, you watch his tape and he's doing pro moves. Calm down over there, dude. Yeah, I know, dude. Like my my running out of breath. Dude, my my jaw is like on my desk right now. I'm so (laughs) freaking excited. Either that or my desk is rising up to my chin. I don't, either one, it could be. I don't, I don't know which one Family show here, Johnny. But I'm telling you, Denzel Mims, what he is showing on tape and what he is is done for Baylor, I am super excited to see what he does for the Jets. And I'm really excited for Sam Darnold as well. Yep. Well, I think uh, we just showed you a taste of this. We talked about one, two, three, like 10 guys here, Johnny. And we were excited in in one way, shape, or form in all of them. We showed you the depth that this wide receiver class has. To round out the show here, let's talk a little bit about these couple rookie tight ends that went into interesting spots based on dynamic and team need. Um, So the first one here is Cole Komet out of Notre Dame, went to the Chicago Bears, number 43 overall. Johnny, uh, tell Whisper Nation what they need to know about Komet as far as redraft or dynasty fantasy football purposes. So I I, I don't think that any of these tight ends that we're going to talk about today are, are going to be tight ends that you're going to want to roster. Uh, All right. Well, let's for, just yeah, stop the show. Just, then. End the show right there. Everyone's <laughs> like, oh, click. Thanks. Thanks for letting <laughs> me know. Um, you know, it's could they? Sure. Uh, is this landing spot that they landed in that, that we're going to talk about? setting him up to have fantasy success, success right away. Yeah, it's possible. But again, let's look at the data and, and we can statistically say that it's very, very rare that rookie tight ends actually do pop off and make make enough noise to fit on your ty- dynasty ro- or your roster during the season. But, you know, the, the tight end landscape isn't often what it was uh, in the past, even though I do think that this tight end landscape uh, that we're going to go into this year is kind of rebounding a little bit. I think you get some solid guys. But needless to say, I digress. We'll get back to Cole Clement, drafted by the Chicago Bears. Uh, really do like this fit for for uh, Clement. What's really interesting is I watched a I had to watch a couple of, of film tapes on him, right, Travis, because very first one, this is an honest truth, very first tape I watched, I put it on, I'm excited, I'm like, this guy's gotta be really, really good for where they got him. Uh and I, I watched the tape and literally it's him just scoring all these touchdowns. And at first I'm like, Oh wow, like this guy has major upside in the in the red zone, all this stuff. And then I noticed like it's just the same play over and over again as far as like not that they were replaying. It was like the scoring play when they got in the red zone. It was like the same play that they would run on each game. And it was just like basically the tight end fakes like he's blocking and runs up the seam and he's wide open because, you know, people thought they were going to run the ball. Um, I don't think it'll be that easy for him in the NFL, uh, but certainly you like his frame, 6'4", 262. Uh, he's a big play tight end. He had a little over 700 reception yards in college, 500 last year's when he kind of broke out. Um, the touchdowns are where he kind of popped off there. That was where it was interesting. Um, my initial thoughts, though, Travis, and then I'll pass it over to you. My initial thoughts were, okay, yeah, this is interesting because, you know, 
Matt Nagy, right? Uh, you have uh, you came from Kansas City. Travis Kelsey, monster tight end. This guy could. When you want to talk about like what Trey Burton could have been and what we wanted him to be for this for this offense, yeah, for sure, there's some excitement there. Right, but then I was like, but is there? Uh, you know, we haven't really seen it over Nagy's first two years being the coach of the of the of uh, the Bears. Right, he went out and he got Trey Burton, who was. Let's, you know, let's not forget Trey Burton was Dallas Goddard before Dallas Goddard. A lot of people thought Trey Burton was the next up and coming tight end. And so they went, the Bears went out, signed him, but he only got 77 targets that first year. Uh, and then you look at, which is, is decent um, or, um, or sorry, excuse me. Yeah. He had 77 targets year one. Uh, the tight end position group for the Chicago Bears in general in year one was 95 targets to the tight end position. You look at what he did last year, Burton only had 24 targets. He led all the tight ends, and they only had 61 total targets to the tight end position all of last year. So I'm wondering necessarily, is this a case where Nagy does want to throw the ball to the tight end? I don't know. I'm not sold because the, right. the, he's not committing. But that could also be because he didn't feel the talent was there and maybe uh, commit is the guy that fills that role. He certainly looked okay on, and on his college tape, nothing really shot out to where I'd say, yeah, go get I this think guy. He, for I think sure. he's, his ADP isn't too terrible in dynasty leagues. You could look at him there. You could definitely stash him and look at the future. I'd not, I'm not going to touch him. I think there's a lot of late round value in redraft leagues for tight end. And so like, I just don't think it's enough that he put on. It's not like last year where we had a guy like TJ Hawkinson who put on film, some really special things that you'd be interested in grabbing him in redraft leagues. I don't think that's the case here with a guy like Cole Komet. And so I think, you know, you could be moving on in redraft leagues and we're going to move on here in the show. All right. To Devin Asiasi, the last guy we're going to talk about today. And this is really just out of paying homage to the New England Patriots who have historically, you know, made Gronk and Aaron Hernandez guys that you want to have on your fantasy teams. Um, and so they draft Devin Asiasi out of UCLA at number 91 overall. He's a big body tight end with good hands. Johnny, what are you seeing out of Asiasi? Do you think he makes an impact or is there just too many question marks with what New England's going to look like? Um, I definitely don't think that there's a lot of question. I, I think that the New England Patriots are going to get back to what they wanted a few years ago. Right. And you, you've got a rookie quarterback, most likely in Stidham, that's going to be quarterbacking for the New England Patriots. And what is the we say it time and time again? What is the number one, uh, you know, check down and and security blanket for a rookie quarterback that is the tight end position so what did new england go out and do they drafted two tight ends in the same round in the fourth round uh they got two now will both of these guys make an impact for fantasy the other one uh was taken just uh his name is dalton uh keen out of virginia tech and i want to talk about both of these guys kind of together but also talk about uh i'll talk separately about Asiasi, right so Asiasi looks to be more prototypical like Gronk, right? That's what everyone yeah. wants to know. Everyone, you know, in Whisper Nation and who's listening to this is like, all right, let me know, is he comparable to Gronk? Yes. He he's looking like he is more Gronk than um than this Keen guy is. But I will say that Keen reminds me a lot of Aaron Hernandez, not in the fact of his criminal past. But no, just of what he looks yeah. like on the field. Uh, so <laughs> personally, and I could say this because I actually did that, uh, or, or I backed this up in my dynasty. I picked up Dalton Keene uh, because I feel like he is the more athletic. He is the guy that they can put outside in the slot, and he is more of a pass catcher, not as good in the pass blocking area. But Asiasi is a guy that I think can have uh, production as well because he is going to be lining up closer to the line and and then leaking out. And I think that both of those could be very, very productive for a rookie quarterback. I am intrigued by both of these tight ends. I am not looking to start either one of these tight ends this year. Um, again, I want to reiterate this. Tight ends, specifically rookie tight ends, generally take a while to develop. It is very, very rare that a rookie tight end will come in and have an immediate impact. It happens. It does. It's not impossible, but it's rare. So neither one of these guys or any three of these guys 
I'm not looking to get into my lineup this year. I think down the road, though, these guys could have very nice fantasy uh, value uh, for sure. Well, we want to know what you think, Whisper Nation. Tell us in the comments below if you're watching us on YouTube. If you are not and listening to the full-length version here of the podcast, thank you so much. And hit us up in our DMs. We are loving to answer any of your questions there. As always, we had a great time with this episode. Really fun episode to bring you guys a highlight of each of these guys and how they could impact your fantasy rosters. But we want to know what content you want to hear from us and so we will be working to do that all off season and into the regular season and as always head on over to the fantasy whispers checkout.com check out our articles our swag johnny's got some swag on the video version here and uh, please help us support the show for johnny game time hicks i'm big travi and we are the fantasy whispers we're out peace peace Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.